Hey! Hi, this is Dr. Christine. And Dr. Colin. And we are your co-hosts for the exciting new podcast called Love, Love Scrubs, Scrubs, and Stories, where we dive deep into the world of dating and relationships and go beyond the people wearing the white coats, the scrubs, and the stethoscopes. Come join us on this journey where we engage in dialogue and share stories of love, heartbreak, resilience, and triumphs. And we also navigate our professional lives with our hearts on our sleeves. Please remember to subscribe and hit the notification button to stay up to date on all future episodes. And, and we, we look, look forward, forward to, to seeing, seeing you inside. inside. Hey. hey. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Love Scrubs and Stories podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join us today. My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dr. Christine Nguyen. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. If this is your first time, we talk about dating and relationships from the perspective of healthcare professionals, our wonderful audience. And whether you're you're single, you're committed or somewhere in between, this a podcast is for you. And we have so many amazing episodes to date. And we have yet another one that I think would be quite fascinating for y'all today. So Colin, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Before we go into that, guys, if this is your first time, hit that you know subscribe button and tell your friends. What we're talking about today, ooh, I think we're talking about the topic of money, finances, all the things that make us super, super uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It is undoubtedly a topic that we all like tiptoe around because I know certainly for me, uh, growing up, it's not something that we talk about very much. Certainly, like I think that has, you know, extended into my adult life where the discomfort of talking about money, especially in relationships, <laughs> which, you know, has yeah been something that I've encountered. How about you, Colin? How has it been for you? I think culture, culturally, similarly, you know, it's also very, it's a very heated argument. Money can be, you know, I come from the world of food, right? Food is medicine. So, <laughs> you know, just like food, it can be a very emotional thing, right? Money can be very mm -hmm. emotional. We grew up with different viewpoints, different perspectives, right? And it could be, you know, used as a medium for a lot of different things, gifting, donating, ways of showing affection, right? But it could also mean, you know, it's the main transaction, main meeting for businesses, right? For that exchange of services and products. But when it comes to dating and relationships, that's very interesting. Let's, uh, let's start off with this first question, which always, always, always has some sort of, you know, you know, XYZ comments afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, you're on your first date, Christine. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, you know, who pays? Who you know, pays? Oh my who God. Pays? Who pays? You know, is it, you know, I, I I'm, you no, know, I'm not going to age you know, old question. Who pays? The age old question. Who pays first? Right. Why? Right. And why not? Are there pros and cons? Right. Or do we, you know, just stick with shivery and just, you know, keep going with that? Yeah, exactly. And we talk about it. I think we've talked about it to death and then it surfaces again. And that's, you know, and there's always like new perspectives. And especially in this um, world of modern dating, it, you know, it's the, the, the balance has sort of shifted now where the thinking in the past has, you know, traditionally has been like the, the, the guy, the, the masculine person pays. But nowadays, I think that there's, you know, there's, it's, you can get the full spectrum of like, of like, it could be the person who asked that person out. It could still be that traditional, you know, gender kind of like take on it in terms of the the guy paying for it. Or in, in this, you know, day and age, like women are also feeling like they would be more comfortable 
on a date, especially if we're talking the first date, right? So it also depends on which date we're talking about, whether it's the first date, the second date, or the third date. And so I know a lot of women would actually be more comfortable paying or splitting the bill, you know, going half seas. From your your point mm -hmm. of view, what is the reasoning for, if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, right, or dating situation, what um, what is the viewpoint of women wanting to pay, not pay, maybe like split in half, like, you know, versus those that don't want to pay? Yeah, I think for some women, it's that feeling of like not wanting to owe anything. And I think especially Mm. in situations where they feel like perhaps this is not the ideal match. Mm -hmm. The chemistry Mm -hmm. is not there. And so they don't want to, you know, to owe their date anything or that perception Mm -hmm. of like, I don't know, sometimes maybe women feel like, you know, that like, like sometimes it, like you said, right. It could be money can be, feels like very transactional. Like if you, you know, pay for this, then I may be expected to like give something in return. And mm-hmm. so, you know, depends like a on hug. How. Like a hug. <laughs> yeah. And so it can be very uncomfortable. So it depends on each one. And again, like, you know, really this, I think I can't wait until our guest talks about this. Like all this kind of goes back to our like personal beliefs and our experiences or our childhood regarding how we feel about money and how mm-hmm. we, you know, in our adult life and especially in relationships and how do we, you know, handle discussions about money, especially in relationships, you know, whether it's the beginning phase, like going on a date or two, or you go the distance and, you know, perhaps in a marriage or in a partnership, then, you know, you're co-mingling finances. And so these are all money is a very important topic to talk about. And so that's why it comes up quite a bit, you know, especially in the WCR white coat romance group where every now and then, comes up because, you know, this is something, you know, because being high level healthcare professionals, we make a decent living. And, and, and depending on who our partners are, and, you know, we definitely have to think about that, whether or not, you know, when you're talking about match, right, it's not just about love, as we all know, right, you have to think about other factors of compatibility, which also includes financial compatibility as well. What mm-hmm, do you think, Colin? Mm-hmm. There's so many, so many things to like unpack with this one. I think dating, talking about finances during dating is very different than, you know, a longer term relationship, you know, and or marriage, right? Because that's when you start to become more committed to someone, right? And intermingling, you know, things, right? And so that's, to me, it's a different discussion. I'm curious to know for you, you know, when do you bring in financial talks, You know, do you, you know, when you're dating them like three months, six months, right? Not even, not even talking about marriage. We're talking about like, oh, you've just been going out for three, six months, a year. Like, when do you, when is a good time, you know, to talk about it? Yeah. In in this day and age, we have, you know, women that are billionaire CEOs, right? You know, we have two income households. We have women full force as opposed to four or five decades ago. So, you know, there is a different mentality going going into Mm this right i personally think there's no right or wrong i think it's a (laughs) it's a dance and interplay between the two people in my opinion right there's no right or wrong exactly yeah Yeah. i wholeheartedly agree so yeah yeah, lots of questions and i think you know this is going to be a fascinating discussion so shall we bring on our guest sure you want to introduce them 
Yes, I sure will. So right. I'm really excited to introduce to you all our amazing guests. You know, he has embarked on a, a very unique journey through medicine and personal finance. Dr. Logan Fult graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel, Chapel Hill Medical School in 2010 and completed his psychiatry training at the Medical University of South Carolina in 2014. He then embarked on a new adventure working as an inpatient psychiatrist in Utah until just about six months ago. Now, he's based in Charlotte. Dr. Fultz works part-time from home and spends his free time mountain biking, road biking, backpacking, as well as paddle boarding. He considers himself an expert on traveling solo on a shoestring budget and has completed solo bike tours in France, Germany, Austria, Hungary, England, Australia, Iowa, and Colorado. Oh, my. So impressive. While he's not a registered financial advisor, Dr. Fultz has been passionate about financial freedom since his residency days. He began moonlighting during his third year of residency and continued to do so for five years post-residency until the COVID-19 pandemic altered his plans. So during this time, he completed the educational courses required for the certified financial planner designation and successfully passed the exam. Woohoo! In addition to his part-time telepsychiatry work, he serves as a student loan advisor for Attend Holdings. He is further pursuing his passion by currently studying for the enrolled agent certification to become an expert on taxes. So welcome to the Love, Scrubs, and Stories podcast, Logan. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. That was quite an introduction. Well, you are an impressive <laughs> person. So, wow, so many things here to unpack. You know, thank you for joining us today. And Logan, so you are part of our um, White Coat Romance community. And I started noticing you in the group whenever we talk about money. And so, you know, this topic comes up, you know, every now and then, you know. And I always really love like that you sort of, you know, chime in and always kind of share your perspectives. And and I really appreciated all that that you did for the group. And I was like, hmm, he knows, he used to know quite a bit about money and finances. So I think, you know, that's when I reached out to you and said, you know, would you be open to further helping our greater audience on this Love, Scrubs and Stories podcast and share with us, you know, your knowledge, your passion about personal finance. So thank you again, Logan. Well, yeah, thank you for building the WCR community. It's been awesome. And uh, I love those discussions because I learned so much about other people. You know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I find human behavior intrinsically fascinating. And yeah, I'm not an advisor and I don't think I'm a relationship expert either, but I do love talking about money. So hopefully, hopefully I can provide some information that people find helpful. To start off, Logan, I would love to know what are some key experiences that happened and transpired for you that you know, you decided, oh, you know, let me go more into personal finance, right? Because mm -hmm. I wish personal finance was taught like from kindergarten, right? I mean, yeah. don't, don't we all were, right? Understanding, you know, instead of a grade point average, what our credit score was, right? Um, and all these different things sure. that, you know, when you come out and you join the workforce, you know, you just kind of feel like, ah, uh, I didn't really get equipped with anything, right? So what happened for you? What, you know, what are some key moments that, that happened for you? You're like, you know what? I'm going to take a bunch of detours, you know, if you want to define them as detours and, you know, just dive, you know, knee deep. Good question. So I think we're going to explore this a little bit more later when we talk about our experiences, our childhoods, and just and just what, what shapes how we think about money. So 
I don't know for sure what got me like so hooked on personal finance, but I think, you know, I, I, I think I saw my dad retire when he was 55 and then he just, you know, he just was, he just was so much, he was so gratified and happy over it. I think that left a mark. And then around the time of, I was finishing college and starting medical school, there was this blogger called Mr. Money Mustache. And the headline was <laughs> this this blogger retired at 30 and lives in Colorado and he saved up a million dollars. And here's how you can do it too. And I'm like, Oh, this sounds, this sounds pretty rad. You know, I enjoy my free time. I like traveling and I want to be this guy. So I kind of what kicked it off. And yeah, I mean, so then I just started reading a couple of books before, uh, you know, before, before Facebook got really big and, you know, and I, I guess I just, I guess I just got hooked. You know, I wanted to know how long, I mean, how long do I want to work? What do, what do I really want to be doing? You know, how much am I really going to enjoy medicine for, for a 45 year career? And so that's just, that was just kind of the genesis of it. That's, that's, that's so amazing. So mm-hmm. as you heard, um, Colin and I were talking, you know, how money is like undoubtedly a topic that a lot of us, including myself, you know, it's tiptoed around in relationships. And so, you know, as we all know, it's, you know, it's deeply rooted in like personal beliefs and experiences. So what do you think are the foundations like to understand like our attitudes about money and, and some of the factors you think are at play here? Yeah, well, I think they can evolve over time, but, you know, but I think the first question you can ask yourself is what is the purpose of money? What is it for? And it may sound like a really simple and straightforward question, you know, it's to it's to it's to invest, it's to save for retirement, it's to it's to pay my bills. But if you look at a more abstract sense, different people will answer that question differently. Some people will say the most important thing about uh, the most important purpose of money is security. Some people think that the prestige and respect it brings is why they value money. Other people will tell you that it brings them a certain comfort, a lifestyle, and that's what and, and that's what really matters to them. For me, I think the best words I would use to describe what I what I value money for are optionality, just being able to do what I want, just just having just having freedom, and also just being able to buy time. You know, I, I, over time, well, over time, you realize that time is the most important commodity you have. That's you know that's something yeah. you can't get back, and you can always make more money. And, and so that's just why I've, why I've, I've tried to, I've dug it, I've jumped in with two feet to learn about personal finance and just how it can help me live the life I want to live. Now, as I've got, as I've studied this more and talked to experts, just because I find it fascinating, there's, there's some things you can do that are like more formal assessments and tools to understand your own attitudes about money. And they tie into behavioral health and financial planning. I think you want to first start by understanding that money is a tool, you know, like, just just having just having millions of dollars or like a pool of gold coins like Scrooge and McDuck doesn't really help anybody. You just want to know kind of what's the tool for. And that's when you start to ask yourself about what are your values and how do you, how does your money play into those? And there's a lot of ways you you know you can ask that question of yourself and potentially a partner. I've learned about something called the three George the three Kinder questions because they were coined by a psychologist and financial planner named George Kinder. And um, I won't read them word for word because they tend to be kind of long. But the first one is, if you had all the money in the world, what would you want? What would you want to do with it to live to create the life you want to live? And that tells a lot about about you, what you find most important in life, and just and just and just what you might want to save for. And the two others, the second one, th- these these are a little bit hypothetical. But the second question asks, you know, what if you were going to die in the next five to ten years? What would you want to? What experiences would you want to get to to enjoy during that time? What do you want to make sure that you you do during a limited time to 
have the best and most fulfilling life you can. So that's one way to, that's another way to find out what your most important values are. And the third one is you can expect to, to pass away within 24 to 48 hours. And you, that's all the time you have to um, do everything you didn't have time to do. You know, what, what do you really want to make sure you accomplish before you die? And what will you regret if you don't do? And so that one's powerful in a different way because it, it asks people to think about their legacy. And so those are, th- those are questions you can bear in mind as you try to understand yourself better and also a date. And there's a, there's a whole book by George Kinder that, that, that gets in deeper into those questions. Another assessment tool I'll mention is called the money scripts. There's, a, there's an acronym for it called the KMSIR, Money Script Inventory. And you can get that one online and take, take that test for free. It takes like you know 10 minutes. And it's first helpful probably to explain what money scripts are. They really just, they're really just a framework for understanding how people, how people conceptualize money and what makes them anxious about it. And if you take that test, they'll, you'll get a score that just ranks how high you are in certain, in certain categories. And there's four of them. One of them is money avoidance. And the one sentence summary for that is money is, money is evil, money is bad, you don't want money. And, a, and the three others are money focus, which says that money is the solution to everything. The, 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 and the way to relieve that anxiety is to just, just keep on making money and you know, just, just, just make sure just you never have enough. The third one is money status, which indicates that you think about you think about money as something to show others, and that and that it it, it translates to your self worth. And people people that have that they can have a lot of spending problems, or they just have trouble holding on to money. And then the fourth one, which I relate the most to, is money vigilance. You know, being anxious about your money, just being afraid to spend it. You know, and just 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 always always on the watch for threats to your financial security. So that's good to know because there are certain things you can do to overcome overcome those biases you have. And it, it goes into that in, 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 the, in the money script report you can get. So that's something I've done that I found informative for kind of understanding my own attitudes. And there's a whole host of other things. I don't, I won't, I won't ramble on too much about different different scales and tests, but I think attachment styles really matter too because they really impact how you how comfortable you are talking about something as deeply personal and, and potentially vulnerable as as your finances. Hey guys, we'll be right back and now a word from our sponsors. The Love Scrubs and Stories podcast is a collaboration and co-production between The Chef Doc and White Coat Romance. The Chef Doc is a wellness platform that offers innovative approaches to thriving and offers a self-empowerment book, podcast series, on-demand masterclass series, as well as a brand new app. The app provides self-guided education such as food as medicine, self-care, and resilience. Coaching services are also available whether you prefer one-on-one or group type settings. Please go now to your app store as well as Apple as Google Play to download for free. White Coat Romance is a dating app for healthcare and health-related professionals and students in the U.S. and Canada. It's a lively space where you can find love, companionship, and build meaningful connections with like-minded professionals. If you're single, go to the App Store and Google Play to download and join our vibrant community. As we both serve these amazing communities, we also acknowledge the value of continuing education. Therefore, we're super excited to share an enticing opportunity with our listeners. Our episodes are continuing education eligible. That's right. You now have the opportunity to earn valuable credits while enjoying our content. 
Rest assured, the episodes will always remain free as we are committed to supporting our communities and amplifying the voices of healthcare professionals. To get a better understanding of how this works, the first three episodes are free to obtain, then the rest of the podcast episodes are at a nominal cost. So you might be asking who can earn credits? Well, physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians associates, pharmacists, dentists, as well as dietitians and dietetic technicians. If you find yourself in need of CE credits, we kindly ask you to consider directing your CE funds towards supporting our cause. Your contribution would greatly help us nurture our podcast production and continue to bring you valuable content. We are deeply grateful for your support. From all of us here at Love Scrubs and Stories Podcast, thank you so much for choosing us. And enjoy the rest of this episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to comment. I mean, there's so much to comment on this. Like number one, the the first thing you mentioned is money, you know, looking at money as a tool, right? And so in a way, you know, if you take a simple analogy like social media, right? You know, Christina and I were both physician entrepreneurs, yourself included, right? And we have to use social media as a tool, right? Mm-hmm. But people can be consumed by social media, same way that they, you know, money can consume them. So number one, I think establishing that framework first, because if you don't establish that for yourself, then, you know, you can't really get back. You can't really go deeper into the psychology in terms of like your beliefs and value systems with money, right? And your relationship with money. And then everything else, I think it's really cool to kind of figure that out for yourself, especially in my opinion, way before you date or have a relationship with someone, because you're going to be inevitably intermingling. And, you know, I don't know, theoretically, can you not talk about money, you know, (laughs) when you're in a relationship, you can't, right? It's like very, very hard. And so it's like, you know, you kind of have to have an idea. Like for me, like I love to understand my emotional intelligence regulation capacity before I go in, you know, in a relationship with someone, right? So the same thing with money, I have to have a good understanding of it. So Christine, what do you think about what he just said? Yeah, Logan, that that was really, really amazing. It's like so thorough how you like you broke that down and so much to like think about. So I thank you so much for that. And I'll definitely have to like check out those resources you talked about. Anyway, so I just wanted to like build this on further. So now obviously, you know, you, you, talked about the foundations of the personal beliefs and experiences and the factors. So now, so in a, in a, like when he, when we're evaluating like potential partners, what should we like, what are some of the, the things we should be on the lookout for? And, you know, for these like quote unquote uh, green flags that would indicate like a healthy financial attitude and responsibility. And at what point should we like start assessing these factors in a, you know, in a relationship? What do you, what do you think? Because that's essentially what we're talking about here, right? And so, yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot to explore there too. I think that uh, let me first let me first talk about the green flags. So the green flags for healthy attitudes and money behaviors are uh, really translate to green flags for for entering in a relationship in general. I think that a lot of I think a lot of the same positive traits will also will also lead to good money conversations and money behaviors and being able to work together. So first of all, it's good to it's good to get an idea for what someone's attachment style is. If someone is anxious, they'll feel threatened pretty easily. If someone's avoidant, they'll shut down. And it's pretty hard to have a, a fruitful money conversation if someone is in if someone is in a defensive mode of some kind. So Secure attachment, I would say, is a green flag for for managing money with a partner. Other things like emotional stability, you know, that's the greenest flag I can possibly think of. Someone who is skilled at, you know, conflict resolution or 
you know, or, or just, uh, or just understanding how to respectfully disagree with someone. I think that, I think that's important because other, because you're not going to be on the same page with everything and you want to be able to hold space for someone else and, and get on the same page. But to do that, you have to be able to bridge your differences. So, so that's what I think about, about the, about the green, about the green flags. And so how do you assess, you know, and how do you assess them? You know, it's, 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 it's organic and kind of unfolds in the course of dating, but I think it is good to assess really early on, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as you feel comfortable broaching the conversation, I think you want to do that before you get too invested because, because otherwise you get six months in and, and, you know, and you find out your lifestyles aren't compatible and you can't manage money together. Well, then you're starting from square one. So I think the earlier you can have these conversations, the better, you know, and obviously when you're just, when you're just venturing in, they tend to be more superficial and, you know, and, and less, less direct. But, but I think, I think if you, I think you want to find a good way to really assess someone's money attitudes, you know, within the first What's your relationship with money. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, just ask that. Just ask them. Yeah. Like what, you know, what's your money script? Yeah. Or, you know, what's your, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the kinder questions? Yeah. But there, there's ways to do it. I can, you know, I can, I can tell you some, some things that I've tried, you know, some work better than others. Yes. Yes, like yeah. what what's worked for you in in the, yeah, um, I would love to hear that. Know, so, I mean, a, a good way to to broach it in a you know in a uh, key way is just to say you know what what have been your best and worst financial decisions, and I mean, and starting with the best one, people will usually have an answer for that, or or they'll they'll think of an answer and they'll feel comfortable sharing it, and you know, and if they if they do if they are comfortable with that, then you you can ask you can ask the follow up about their worst financial decisions. So so that that's one I go to. Also, it's not really a financial question. But you know, when you when you talk about like how someone can handle conflict and and hash out their differences with you, I like to find things I disagree with with, with someone I'm dating. You know, I, I try I try to you know I, I try to like do a BS test. You know, <laughs> that's like that's like that's just just throw a chum in the water. But I like to I like to ask someone's opinion on things, and if I disagree, just tell them and just and just you know and just see if they and just see if just see how they respond. You know, they might have follow up questions. They might you know they might say they never thought about it. They might say well this is how I feel differently, or they might, or they might just tell you that you're full of it, you know? And so if that's the case, then if, if they can't discuss things like that, if they can't disagree with you respectfully with something like that, then it's going to be probably hard to bridge the gap when you talk about your, your financial behaviors and, and your values. Yeah. I kind of feel like Christine, I would love to hear what you think, but it's kind of like, you know, if you're in the dating phase, it's for me, I try to avoid asking, you know, what are your past relationships like, you know, why did you break up or why did they break up with you? You know, because it becomes, it may become too heated and too emotional really quickly. Right. And you want to kind of establish some trust and rapport first and just do some lighthearted stuff. And the same way that money can be very emotional for, for some, it's not, I don't think it's something that I would ask, you know, straight away, but if I'm dating someone for like three, six months, and you know, if you're thinking about becoming more serious, then it is a good good, you know, good question. I think that's a great example. You know, what is your best and worst experiences, you know, in terms of money decisions and, you know, um, and even asking something like, you know, how did your parents, you know, deal with money, you know, growing up? Like, what was that like? What was their relationship like? And that gives you like an idea of like what they, you know, observed and view. Like, for example, Logan, you, you mentioned a, your dad retiring at 55. So that left an imprint on you, right? So you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So, you know, it seems like dad, you know, was a little bit more proactive than others, you know? So I think that attachment perspective of having a glimpse of what they were like 
growing up, it, it will kind of give you a little bit of, you know, foresight. I think childhood, I mean, I think experiences in your formative years are so, so important, you know, for shaping, shaping how you think about money. And I read, there's a really good book about this called, that talks about all these things called Psychology of Money. Morgan Housel's the author. But in chapter one, one thing that he lays out in detail is how our financial experiences, you know, in the, in the sum total of human experiences, they're, you know, they're infinitesimally small, but for our, for how it shapes us, it's, it, 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 it forms a majority of our thinking. So we're really shaped by what we experience in the economy and in our own families growing up. So, so I feel like I've been pretty fortunate, you know, I've, you know, I've, uh, I grow, I've, I've grown up in a really strong economy. I haven't, I've been financially secure. I was able to get an education affordably, but you know, a lot of people like my cousins who are in their twenties, they think, they think higher education is a scam. And my grandmother who grew up in the great depression, one, the only, one thing I remember most about her is that she would only buy things if she was on sa- if they were on sale and she would shop at yard sales and she kept a, a refrigerator full of leftovers because she never threw anything away. So those are just some examples, but I think, I think what I try to remember is that people behave in ways that are rational to them. It may not be rational objectively and it may not make sense to you, but, but they're following what they, they're following what they, how they think the world works and doing, and doing whatever they need to do to, to make the best of, best of how they perceive their situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Really, really great points, Logan, and lots of things to consider for us, you know, that we don't often think about. So thank you so much for for mentioning them. So uh, as what we were talking about earlier, yeah, it definitely, I feel like it is tricky to to ask someone outright about, you know, how they feel about money. You know, I guess there's, like you said, there's different ways we can ask it, but I guess it depends on where you are in the relationship as well. So let's say we're looking for a partner who is of like, who has like similar like values and, you know, is on perhaps a similar level of like and how they feel about and understanding about money and finances as you are so what would be like some good ways to assess like their level of like basic financial literacy and assess if like you're both on the same page when it comes to like money and finances what do you think like someone's money mindset i guess in terms of how if it lines with yours or not yeah, I like I like that you called it a money mindset because I think that's more important than like financial literacy in general. But I mean, this can be tricky too. I, I think that you can, I think that you can of course start by asking about their asking about their values in some way. You know, in one one way that's worked for me is just asking. You know, if you if you were if Jeff Bezos left a trust fund for you, what would you you know what would you do with your life? You know, that's like the what the kinder question I asked earlier, the first one. So I think it's good just to understand their understand their values first. And as far as basic financial literacy, the reason I think it's important to, to, to uh, be in a relationship with someone who is at least in the same ballpark as you is because it's, it's hard to build intimacy while you're, while you're teaching about something like that, especially if it's important, you know, you, it's hard to, it's hard to switch it between being someone significant other and their like financial planner or their accountant. So, so, I think it's important to, at least for me to date someone who understands a little bit about taxes, who knows what a, you know, who knows what a 401k is, you know, who knows that if, you know, uh, interest rates, if when interest rates are high, you have more debt. I mean, just basic things like that. Although those are things I just kind of learn organically. I feel like it comes out, but the money mindset I think you want to evaluate is just, first of all, you can look at it as just 
how conscious are they of their of their financial of their financial situation? How 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 much do they think about it? Because I think it's hard if it, it's always on your mind. You know, if it kind of pervades all of your basic decisions, and someone else and the person you're dating is happy to sweep it under the rug because they're probably not going to want to talk about as much as you. And they're probably, they'll probably get tired of the constant decision-making, you know, that it might just not be as important to them. So I think that's one thing to look at. But one other thing that I think uh, differs between people and it's not good or bad, but some people prefer to plan, understand how things are going to play out over time and, and make the best decision considering their future and a long span of time. But some people are more like YOLO, you know, you only live once, you know, I don't, <laughs> I just want to enjoy my money now. And if someone is, if, if you're really in touch with your future self, if you're trying to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, if you have a complicated plan that, that your um, financial decisions that hinges on your financial decisions, I think it's pretty hard, you know, if someone is like, well, you know, I, I don't want to spend this money when I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't want this money when I'm old. I want to use it now. You know, it's just a very different mindset. And that's something you probably want to gauge too. You know, and you, I think you get an idea for this anytime you try to make plans with someone, you know, you'll, you know, some people, some people are really comfortable with it and some people just kind of have enough of it after, after a few minutes. So that's something I look for too. So, hey guys, what's going on? I hope that you guys are enjoying this episode. We felt that this episode is so important, so much fun, so engaging that we decided to split it up into two parts. So be sure to check back to part two of this episode to listen to the rest of the conversation that we have with Dr. Logan. Yeah, and it's going to be really worth your while. So we encourage you to hop on over and and check out the, the second half of this episode. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to this channel. If you enjoyed this, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you felt like this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know as well. As a reminder, this channel does not offer medical advice. All opinions expressed are ours and our guests only. It is for general informational purposes only and does not replace professional healthcare services. Please consult your own healthcare provider for any medical issues you may have. Until the next episode, whether you're in and out of your scrubs, Please remember to love yourself and others and lead with kindness. Bye. Bye.